Welcome to Order in the Bedroom with me, Stephen Bailey. And me, Richard Taylor. So, Rich, I've been thinking about this over and over again. Oh, just a reminder, because this is the second episode, so you might not have paid attention, but we're a real-life couple, Rich is a real-life lawyer, and I'm a real-life comedian that thinks I know better than the law. That pretty much sums up what we're doing, and we're basically retrialing cases of the past because we're obsessed with true crime and essentially we thought rather than sit and argue about it and cause a breakup if we put it into a podcast we're arguing for work and therefore it's different i mean some of these we've had some good debates about they're really interesting cases really key ones that when i was at law school these are sort of the foundational ones you sort of learn about so they're really interesting to sort of talk about i think even though, Rich, this was like foundations of law school, this does in no way turn into an open university degree. I've also had some thoughts of the name, Order in the Bedroom, okay? I think, great title, but I also am concerned that people are going to think it's some sort of, like, how-to guide to sex in a relationship. I mean, it's nothing could be further from what we are discussing, particularly with the one we're going to be discussing today. But um, yeah, just to be clear as well, nothing in this is constituting a guide as to advice or any legal advice um, at all. Uh, I am an employment lawyer. Um, if you have any legal issues for yourself, I suggest you you seek your own legal advice for your own cases. Or you can message him, but he will charge you for proper advice. Um so yeah, this is Order in the Bedroom. So Rich, why don't you tell our humble listeners what we're doing today while I just gawp at Ben Shepherd because he's looking very fine today on Tipping Point. That's right, we are recording this in bed and we have telly in the bedroom because we don't read books. Well, Rich reads books, but I need to watch The Real Housewives. So the, the case we're going to be talking about today is the one of Crown and Dudley and Stevenson. And it's a case from way back in 1884. And the question for the court um, to decide was, is the availability of um, the defence of necessity available in cases of murder? Is it ever a necessity to murder someone? So what's the exact case we're doing? Did you, because I always forget the names. So did you say it was Stevenson again? No, it's, it's Crown and Dudley and Stevens. So essentially, the Crown, uh, the Queen, uh, the prosecution against the two defendants who are a Mr. Dudley and a Mr. Stevens. So Mr. Dudley and Mr. Stevens are defending themselves because they've done something out of necessity and the Crown are arguing whether that's allowed or not. Yeah, out of a, out, I'll tell you about the facts of the case, but essentially, um, out of necessity, they have murdered someone else, or they claim out of necessity, they've murdered someone. Well, hold on. So then does that not work? I'll let you get into it, but my mind goes straight away going, you could argue for that for a lot of things then, couldn't you? Like, Because you're quite messy and I'm quite clean. So for me to stay, you know, happy in my home, it is necessary for me to kill you if you don't put your shoes away. I mean, there are many issues to unpack out of that, I think, Stephen, is that, um, is, is, could it be the other way that you are, you are mainly, you, you might be slightly anal on the other, other, other way of... Well, you don't mind normally when I'm anal, do you? You don't mind when you <laughs> shove it um, But no, as you will find from this case, the defence of necessity is a narrowly drawn one. Also, if we're going to do this, let's do it properly. I think you should refer to me only as the Right Honourable 
Mr. Bailey. Okay. And, and what should I be referred to as, if that's the case, the right honourable Mr. Bailey? Rich. <laughs> my lord, no? No? I'm not calling you my lord. Okay, fair enough. That's fine. Shall I talk about the facts of this case? I wish you would. I mean, we're five minutes in and you've not started yet. You've just waffled on about necessity. And I'm not going to lie, I zoned out and I'm watching Ben Shepherd dressed as a shepherd on Tipping Point Christmas special. And I do wonder, Rusty Lee's on it, and I did Celebrity Coach with Rusty Lee, and I would like to say, why have they not booked me for Celebrity Tipping Point when I'm doing the same shows as another contestant? Is this something I can sue about? Um, you, I mean, Rusty Lee could probably sue for the star outfit they've got a sort of wearing there. It looks pretty uncomfortable. But, you know, I don't think people have tuned in for commenting on Rusty Lee's attire on a daytime quiz show. They've tuned in to listen about these cases. Shall, shall we go on? You don't know what people have tuned in for. And I would just like to say Ben Shepard is making my nipples hard. Go. Anyway, um, imagine the scene. It's 1884. And um, at that time, the British um, na- sort of uh, nautical sailing trading is um, a lot more expansive than what it is now. We do all of our trading with other countries, mainly via ship. Um, many people were, were sailors. And that's how we got um, goods transported about is by sailing them from one country to another. And um, the facts of this particular case were that um, on this particular ship, there were the um, two individuals, Mr. Dudley, Mr. Stevens, another gentleman and a, and a cabin boy um, on, on the ship. And they were sailing to, um, to Australia. From where? From London. Oh, my God. Well, that's a really long flight. So how long would you think that would be to sail? Would it be like, hmm, I think that would be like three weeks. Um, I think that's probably months and months and months to get there. It's a long time to sail all the way to Australia. It's only 24 hours on a flight. Well, I know if you can get a ticket now, it's like you can't, you can't go anywhere in these times, can you? What do you think? What were they transporting? Uh, I can't recall what they were transporting, um, but it's not particularly, you know, critical to the facts of this case what they were transporting i can't remember what it was so essentially it like this wouldn't affect the case it doesn't matter what they were transporting even though i'm going to bring up hamburgers later because i think if they were transporting hamburgers that would make a big difference to this case okay well i look forward to that sort of insight as to how that plays with it but for the sake of argument let's say that they were maybe transporting um clay pots have you ever met any sailors uh i've I've met people dressed up as sailors but no real sailors no not that i can think of no i once went on a date with a sailor that i met after a show and he was telling me that there's this do you know like there's different laws if you're out at sea that because it's not on a land so you're not restricted to the laws of that land Oh, so like in international waters, as it were. Yeah, I guess so. So apparently it's the same with sexuality because they have this saying where they say it's not gay while you're underway. <laughs> okay, right. So so it's like I could give a man a gobble on the ocean and it doesn't necessarily make him gay. I would just be relieving him. Right, okay. Because I mean, I'm sure this this is the thing is that straight people in in, in relationships might... 
um, have gay experiences and then be sort of saying, well, I wasn't doing the noshing, so then that doesn't make me gay. That sort of thing. No? I'm just giving you a dirty look. I mean... I don't, there's too much to unpack there. <laughs> Should we get back to the... I wish you would. Let's get back to Why don't you stick to the law and I'll stick to interesting life facts? Okay, well, here we go. So then, um, essentially, what happens is they get shipwrecked. And they're in this little lifeboat dinghy, um, wooden, wooden lifeboat. And they're lost at sea. They are miles and miles and miles away from land. Um, and they've been there for... A while it's more than seven days without any um food and water so after that time hold on they do have water they're in the sea well they can't drink it though can they <laughs> can't drink salt if you were parched you would well you'd die wouldn't you you'd die much quicker if you're drinking salty water you can't do that well that's the phrase isn't it it's like water everywhere but not a drop to drink you can't drink it i don't know well i wouldn't get i, I don't get lost at sea and don't drink the water don't drink seawater. Okay. I fear for you. I fear for your safety now. I fear you fear for your safety. He <laughs> speaks every time I pull the mic away. I mean, we're on a budget. Right. Let's get back to it then. So they've been lost at sea. And then after, after a week without any food and water, Mr. Stevens suggests that um, lots should be drawn with the loser is then killed to provide food for the remaining two. Wait, what? So he's saying they'll draw essentially straws. Yeah. And if you um, have got the smallest straw, you will be eaten so the other two can survive. Yes. I don't even think my brain would ever go there. I think I'd at least try and find a fish first or just all die. If I had to eat someone, I would rather die than eat someone. Would you? Would you? You wouldn't. You wouldn't. That wouldn't even cross your mind at all. You're so desperate. No, I wouldn't even think it could be an option. Well, it was for these guys anyway. So. Because you can't even eat chicken if it's not properly cooked. No. And they don't have a stove. No. I. You know. I haven't really thought of the sort of ins and outs of cooking human flesh. This is where the law fails us. <laughs> And this is the part of why I'm doing this, because none of it makes any sense. It will make sense shortly anyway. So they, look, they're very desperate. They decided that they they want someone to draw a lot and uh, and and sort of sacrifice themselves for the others. Um, they, the cabin boy, they, they, just don't, they don't do it straight away, but then the cabin boy is getting a lot weaker because he's, he's younger, he's not as strong as the others. And he's sort of fading um, fast, but not dead yet. So on the 20th day, they agree between themselves to kill the cabin boy. So who does the cabin boy agree to this or is it the other two men? So the other two men agree to it. The cabin boy's sort of, you know, a bit out of it, but it's not dead yet. He's still alive um, and they slit his throat and then eat him. Uh, then four days later, they're rescued, finally rescued. Um, and they were taken back um, to, to to England, and they were tried um, for this person for the cabin boy's murder. Interestingly, called Richard Parker. And if you r- read the book um, Life of Pi, um, the tiger in that is called Richard Parker. You know, he gets 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 cast away with a tiger on a boat. 
named him after this the boy in this case. All right. I thought that was quite interesting, that one. <laughs> interesting point. Was it actually named after by that case, or was it coincidence? No, so Richard Park... So the... Um, I don't know when the novel was written, but it was after this case. And he was called Richard Parker, and the cabin boy's called Richard Parker, and they called the tiger in that Richard Parker. After the cabin boy? After the cabin boy. Oh. Do you know what... What, though, what I find weird is going... You've slit his throat, you've eaten him. And so the, what? So the argument, I assume, for why they did it is they didn't know they'd be saved in four days. Ascent, well, yeah, essentially that is that they thought that, you know, we've run out of food, we've run out of water, we're all going to die unless one is sacrificed for the good of the other. Shouldn't you decide, though? So it wouldn't it be different? Like, so if Richard Parker said, do you know what? I don't think I've got much left in me. Do it. That- oh, and voluntarily, voluntarily did it. Vo- killed himself. Yeah. Yeah, that would be different. That would be different. But the... Or if they'd sort of eaten him after he died of natural causes, that would be different. But the fact that they... Um, the issue is for murder, that he was still alive, didn't consent to it, and they killed him. So the issue before the um, the court was whether there was any justification in killing Richard Parker um, for the other defendants, Mr. Dudley and Mr. Stevens, to survive. Was it, um, was it necessary and was there a defence to the crime of murder? So were they tried for murder? Were they ever tried for murder or was the case just discussed? So no, they, they were tried for murder. They were... Um, uh, initially, it went to one of the lower courts, um, and the jury in that essentially um, there wasn't this there wasn't this defence of necessity. But essentially, the jury were saying, "Well, it did seem that it was necessary for them to um, to kill him in order to survive," and they wanted that to be sort of noted. So then the trial judge was like, "Oh, not heard of this sort of sort of defence coming up before." in this type of case, we need it to go to a higher court. So it went to a higher court then to determine whether the defence of necessity was available um, to a to a murder case. And they, they, they sort of had a look at it in, in that case. Then. Do you know what's blown my mind about this whole thing? I don't know if I would ever be so hungry that I would want to eat someone else. Do you know, like... Because, I, I mean, I've never been stranded at sea, so maybe I don't know... I'll tell you something I do know. I wouldn't want to be eaten. No, um, I think that would be that'd be quite horrific um, in the circumstances. And I don't. I think you got to remember as well. These are desperate, desperate people. They are really like you know. They don't know if they're going to survive this or not, and they're just thinking of any way that they can um, to survive. And you've got to think as well in in that sort of situation. You've been over a week without any food and. Um, food and drink i think they've been drinking their own urine at this point they're really desperate um and desperate people in desperate times will will seemingly do desperate things i know what you're saying and obviously i've never been through it so it's really hard but i just think one i don't think i could ever eat it because also like how have they picked his like how have they got his flesh like they had a knife because obviously they slit his throat but it's like then how do you i just don't know but then 
I have been really hungry at times and turned feral over some Kinder Shoko bonds. <laughs> right, okay. But you're not killed you're not killed anyone in order to get them. No, no, no. I haven't killed anyone to do it. I just don't know if I would ever kill someone under the kind of guise of needing to eat them. Mm. There's just something it's you know so why didn't Hannibal Lecter get away with it? Why didn't he get Because didn't he, he eat people? Um, so, one, that's a fictional character. Oh, I didn't I know think. that. <laughs> I, I thought that was a real person. I think. And... Anthony Hopkins does a good job there. <laughs> he does. He does. Um, and But why didn't he get away with it? Well, because he's killing it. There's no necessity. There's no necessity for him to kill. He's just murdering people and eating them. That's. Um, but what if his diet only allowed humans? I mean, I don't think that's a thing, and I don't think that would be a, an excuse for for murdering people either, for to due to dietary requirements. But you know, these days people have all sorts of dietary things, don't they? That's, that's what I mean. Is oh right, okay. So if someone was like, oh. there's a cereal cafe. Why is there not like a human nails cafe or a serial killer cafe? Jesus, <laughs> you know, it's um, yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky situations, but yeah, I I don't think um, those types of cases would would arise. I feel like this is me not being empathetic, but I am really struggling to sympathise here because I think it's different. Because the guy didn't, the guy didn't die naturally and then they just chose to eat him which i still think is a bit gross because it doesn't give his family a body to say goodbye to or and also imagine being like not only has your son or your grandchild or whatever died or your husband died and not only do we not have a body because it's lost at sea but your body like he's been eaten but you would you might say but yeah but he had a really tasty arm compliments to the chef compliments to you mum and dad for making a really tasty child why does it i just don't understand i am leaning to the fat side of this being murder well this is it it's um this is what the um trial judge came well the the appeal judge came down on and uh, essentially it was saying in this particular case it's not possible to justify killing another in order to save the life of another um, on the basis of um, necessity in murder cases. Um, and I think the the finding on this particular one was that, um, you know, between... There's no justification really to kill this boy because you could have killed any of the other um castaways he could have killed mr dudley or mr stevens um and i think it's with this particular one the fact that they colluded about it meant that it wasn't necessary to kill the young boy um it was it was so that's why the defense of necessity wasn't available in this particular case so did they go down for murder so yeah they were they were they were charged with um they were found guilty of murder which in those days if you're guilty of murder in the 1800s you're going to get hanged for it you're going to get you're going to get killed yourself um in the circumstances but in the society at that time there was great outpouring of sympathy for these two individuals um that you know i was talking about earlier how 
um, the maritime trade is really important to, to um, the economy and society at that time. Um, there was real sympathy for these individuals who were putting, let's put it this way, it's a really dangerous journey doing all this trading, um, sailing to other countries. So there was a real outpouring of public sympathy for Mr. Dudley and Mr. Stevens. And actually what happened was that um, the prosecutors reflected on it and due to the outpouring of sympathy, uh, changed their um, their sort of uh, penalty from being put to death to a six-month prison sentence. What? Well, then, it's very confusing then, isn't it? Because then it's almost like you're backtracking on what you've done. Because, like, what normally do you get a six-month sentence for? A six-month sentence, you could be for, I don't know, for um, if you were a really spater-like shoplifting, if you've been doing that over a, over a stretch of time. Something like that, I would imagine. So if I was in Sainsbury's and robbed some salmon, I could get six months. If you're like a prolific serial shoplifter, could be. So if I robbed salmon every week for six months, I could get six months imprisonment. It depends on the circumstances, but yeah, it could well be something like that. Why do lawyers never answer a question? You answer a question <laughs> with a question. Because yeah, I'm not entirely, as, as we pointed out at the beginning of the sort of start is that I'm an employment lawyer and sort of sentencing guidelines on salmon theft is not entirely uh, within my grasp, immediate grasp of knowledge. But essentially it's not as serious as eating someone. No. It feels like you've gone from not being hung, which I appreciate, to six months, which I feel like is if you're saying it's not okay to do this because it was not a necessity, I feel like they should at least get something. It does seem a little bit, you know, and as you were saying, a bit lenient in the circumstances because if you're thinking about the the poor cabin boy, um, he did, well, I mean, we don't know because we weren't there at the time, but I'm, I'm assuming that he didn't want to get murdered. Um, he was on his way out and, um, you know, you don't know. They were rescued four days later. They, he, might have, he might have lasted four days and they all might have got rescued. Well, this is actually the bit where I am on their side because if they've already been away at sea for 20 days, lost at sea, yeah, then... You don't know at that point it's just going to be another four days. For them, it could have been another 20 days. Well, no, well, that argument actually goes the other way, doesn't it? Because if they didn't know they were going to get rescued, why murder the person at all? If they're, you, you know, it's like there's no guarantee you're going to get, you're going to, you're just prolonging the inevitable. Oh my God, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. And then the other thing is, though, is going like, how do we know the cabin boy was actually weak and the weakest? That's true. Um, we only have their accounts um, for it um, of of that particular of that. But I think there was another gentleman there who um, didn't sort of partake in the lot drawing and wasn't a participant in the murder. So I think we have his account from memory. Um, that that was the case. But I think it's accepted. It is it's accepted by the court that he was weak and was the weakest. Um, and it's more likely that he would be um, compared to the others who are, all the other men were sort of fit, um, strapping people. And he's a young cabin boy that's not not as strong as the others. So was it, So did this, what was it called? The something of necessity? The defence of necessity. Did that already exist before this case? So it did... 
but it's whether it applies to murder because the first time it's sort of been looked at in murder cases in a murder case how had it been looked at before so there are other um examples of it happening um happening since from the top of my head i can't um i can't think how it implied before but i'll give you an example of how it might arise so say um say you're a prisoner in a jail and um a fire starts in the prison um, you could, and and in, you either try and escape from the prison or you're burnt alive. Um, you escaping from the prison would be a crime, but the defense of necessity would be, I needed to break from prison and commit the crime, otherwise I'd have died in a fire. That's like an example of how necessity could arise in a separate circumstance. I broke the law by getting out of prison, but if I hadn't have done that, it was necessary for me to do that, else I would have died in a fire. All right. So that this poses the question, if the boy would have died on the boat and then they ate him, so he was already dead and they ate him to nourish themselves to give them a bit longer in the hope of being saved, but he died of natural causes, no one slips throat, would they have still been taken to court for eating a dead body? Oh, um, it might have been uh, sent to court because there's a crime of interfering with a corpse. So that might be, it might be something that that would, they would have been looked at for that. But again, you're not going to be put to death for that, though. There's going to be, I, I don't know what the sentencing of that would be. But yeah, there's a, definitely a crime of interfering with a with a dead body. To me, that one feels like if he died, I mean, I personally wouldn't eat a dead body and I'm not. You know, I'm not encouraging it, but wouldn't to me if you if he died, they were lost at sea, and they had hope that they were going to get rescued. I feel like there's almost no case. Well, what there's no case for them being tried for anything. Oh, okay. No, I see what I see what you mean. Um, if he died on his own, yeah, it's like. You know, this person is dead. Mm-hmm. Only their flesh is left behind. Mm-hmm. And if these two still had hope in their heart of getting rescued, yeah, then surely, and that was their only source of food and nourishment, yeah. Yeah. then they're genuinely, I mean, I would rather die, but they would rather have no choice. Yeah, so no, I think there would be. That's a very different set. Of, that's a different different circumstance. If he's died already, and they believe that they're going to get rescued, then um, that could be. That would be a separate situation to the one that was ultimately the facts of this case. Yeah. So would you? Well, here's two questions. So if you were lost at sea, would you offer up? Would you say? I don't know if I'd say let my throat get caught. Like, just say you were lost at sea and you died naturally, but would you tell people in advance, listen, if I go, chomp away? Gosh, that's a tricky one, isn't it? It's like a dinner party question. <laughs> would you Would you volunteer yourself for the betterment of your um, fellow um, passengers? Um, but what I'm saying is if you die naturally, I'm not saying you get killed. I'm saying if you naturally died... Would you begrudge someone eating you if it meant their survival? 
you know, I, I think it also depends on how well you know the people as well. Because I'd almost want, if I knew the people quite well, I don't think I would want them sort of chowing down. But if it's almost if you don't know them that well, you wouldn't mind as much. Really? Oh, I think it'd be the opposite. Oh, you'd, you'd only want your best friend to be chowing down on your buttocks. Well, no, I don't want anyone to do it. I would put a ban <laughs> on it and I'd make sure I was very clear about that. Because then if they did eat me, I would want them sent down. Oh, you'd, you'd write a very um, detailed detailed note. Yeah, I'd love to have it. I would, if I had the option to, I would do a note being like, I'd, if my body's not in this damn boat when I get rescued, I did not give permission to be chomped on. Oh, you could do like an Instagram live, couldn't you, I suppose? If I was lost at a boat <laughs> for 20 days, I don't think I'd have access to Instagram live, do you? Otherwise, I'd be <laughs> safe because I'd drop a pin to see where I am. I'd drop a pin. No, I suppose so. But yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's that you don't want to think about it, but like, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 tricky. It's tricky. I don't think it is that tricky. I would not do it. You cannot eat me if I am dead. No, definite no. So then the other question is, could you ever envisage yourself being so hungry? Because if I was that, if I got twenty days in, I mean, an hour with me, I'd be bored to death. <laughs> But if I got 20 days in and had somehow survived, to be honest, I think I'd throw myself overboard after three days. But if... So you wouldn't give anyone the option then to eat, you just chuck yourself over. Yeah, I think that's true. But also, if I was the survival one, or the survivor, I would not eat anyone. No, well... Would you eat one, someone? Oh, gosh. You know, I probably, I probably would. I think I probably would if it was that desperate in that situation because it's a, yeah it's a similar case in that what was it the um there was that rugby team in our in in the andes there and the plane crashed there was a film about it what well, i can't remember what it was called but anyway they they essentially did the same thing and they were like um chomping bits off bits off each other they said it tasted like chicken i don't know i've never tried it are you joking no it's true they did that. It was it was, an, it was a plane crash in the Andes. They were they were a rugby team and they were going to play a fr- play a friendly, and the plane crashed and then they started eating bits of each other. So you would eat someone to survive if you were that desperate for your own survival. But then when you got back to land, the relatives and the people that loved this person that you ate left behind, you'd be able to look them in the eyes. I would, and I'd say it was awful, but you know, tasty. <laughs> This is this is gonna go out. Do you stand by? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Know. It's 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 one of those really awful moral dilemma things as to as to what would happen. But desperate times, desperate desperate measures, isn't it? I suppose. I don't know. I think I would definitely just throw myself overboard and drown. Just no, you know, just end it all. If I got to a point where I ran out of hope and I thought my only survival was to eat someone else, I would throw myself overboard. Not You're not looking at people eyeing them up going, ooh, they've got a nice rack. I wouldn't be able to... <laughs> I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. No? You, well, I think it would be a pretty harrowing for everyone in that situation, whether you'd done it or not, I think. Because imagine... So if I was my age now, if I was 34, that happened and I got back at, say, 35, and say I had another 35 years of me, 35 years of thinking, I ate someone no and also as well people in the streets knowing it as well knowing he's steven the shoulder eater but you said you would do it 
Well, this is tr- this is it's tricky. I mean, you put me on the spot with this. I don't know. I've not put you on the spot. You pick the case. You pick the case. I've not put you on the spot. I said we're going to record our show at four. You've got the case because you're the lawyer. I'm not the lawyer. And you're the one, so you're not on the spot. You've had time to think about this. What questions did you think was going to come up when we're doing a case of the uh, defence of necessity of whether people should eat each other? What did you, what, what bloody question did you think was going to come up? I mean, I, I really should have anticipated it, so shouldn't I? Um... There's not really many options of what <laughs> questions could come up. This guy got killed at sea and they ate him to survive. So the natural question would be, if you got lost at sea, would you eat someone to survive? That How have you not thought about this? This is the exact point of doing this podcast. People are lawyers aren't that bright. Well, I evidently, evidently not with showing that. No, but it is my point. It's going, you've got all the factual knowledge, but I've got the level of emotional intelligence because you're backtracking now. Well, I, I think I still probably would. I think I still probably would. So then the next question is, so say it was me and you. <laughs> we was lost at sea you had to eat me okay yeah then you got back to the shore yeah. and you ha- had to see my mum and dad you could look them in the eye knowing that not only have you ate me but you've shat me out <laughs> um i mean i think they would be forgiving i think they would be forgiving in- i honestly in- don't think they would would you forget right imagine we had a baby right and they grew up and they got lost at sea, and they were eaten at sea. Could you forgive them? No. <laughs> Do you see what I mean, guys? This is exactly my point about legal stuff. I genuinely believe I could win any trial. It's, you know, it's a really tricky, unique set of circumstances, unique facts in that case. And but it's not unique, tell? is it? It's not unique because... You said it happened with rugby players. It did. Ha- it did happen with them. It happened. Um, I think there's a few different cases of um, sort of being lost at sea and and all of that. So then it's not unique. Yeah, but not compared to like these days. Now it's like not as you know. There's not. We're not much of our trading is done in sort of um, vessels like that on the high seas and people getting getting lost in that respect. And you know exactly that. Exactly to your point about technology. Everyone, all boats are seemingly tracked and. You can see, and they get rescued much more easily. So it's a, it is a it is a different set, different time, a different circumstance in that way. And I think if it had been um, today, and it was a different track, I think society. Whereas in that time, society was very much on the side of the people who ate the cabin boy. Um, I think you would have a different public reaction now um, to that if that had occurred, due to the fact that. Um, it's much less likely to get lost off the radar due to technology and where and where 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 things are. You'd be buggered then, wouldn't you? Because you said you'd eat someone and be able to look the family in the eye. Be a social social pariah forever, forevermore. <laughs> well, we'd love to know what you guys think of this case, and I guess the question we'll leave you on is: If desperate times called for desperate measures, would you eat someone to survive? Let, we'll do it in brackets with their permission just to make it a bit nicer and family friendly. So it'd be, you know, when it's Christmas Day and you're eyeing up family around the table, you work, work out which one you think you would you would go for first. The chubbiest. 
Well, I won't go for any. Uh, so thank you once again for listening in. Share with your friends. Give us a five-star review. Let us know what you think. We're doing this as a creative outlet during a pandemic. I have no producers like normal. This is just me learning how to be creative and also arguing with Rich for, well, in a way that won't ruin our relationship probably because it's for entertainment purposes. I did air quotes for that. Um, so let us know what you think. You can tweet me at Stephen Comedy, Stephen with a PH, or on Instagram. Once again, it's at Stephen Comedy. We're not setting up any socials for this unless it takes off, and then we probably will. Um, but we've been Stephen and Rich, and listen to episode three. Don't forget, five stars, share, review. Lots of love. Bye. See you next time.